So, this week we're talking about Jesus' prayer. And, and it's funny, this morning seems to fit exactly with what I think Jesus is talking about. I mean, as my own son is unwilling to go to, <laughs> to child care, um, even myself, like I feel sort of anxious. I'm not even sure why. <laughs> it's like one of those off mornings. But as I'm listening to Jesus, as I've been listening to him this week, I've been encouraged because this is the one place where we can, like, we can let our true selves show. This is the one place where we can come and things don't have to be perfect. And it's hard for me because sometimes people outside of our church, that's what they think. They think that you have to be perfect before you can come here. That everything has to be polished and you have to have your best version of yourself ready before you come in the door. And as I listened to Jesus this, this last week in this prayer that Gary's just read for us, this prayer that Jesus prayed for the church, that they would remain together. One of the strongest things that we can do to remain together is just to accept each other the way we are. And it's interesting. Jesus is going to talk about this in his prayer of how this testifies to the rest of the world. How the fact when we come here with our imperfections, with our idiosyncrasies, we might like to call them, or the warts that we have, we come here and we're still accepted. By grace, God has welcomed us. And so we gather here to encourage each other, and that testifies to our friends and our neighbors outside. So I was looking at this, and I was realizing that as you work through this prayer, there's tons of stuff here. I, I was, Tracy came to pick me up on Monday when I was working through this, um, translating and trying to understand, and, and I just told her, you know, some, t- some Mondays I love to come, and it, it just comes easy. Like, I understand what God is saying, and just, it just flows. This was a tough one for me, to be honest with you. I mean, there's plenty of things here that Jesus says, but it just seems for me like there's just so much and so many complexities and layers. But I tried to get at as I was praying, trying to help us get down to some important parts. The first thing that struck me this week is how Jesus prays that God would be with us, that God would keep watch over us, that God, his Father, would in a sense guard us and be our Father. This is interesting because he says this, Actually, you know what? Can we just pray for the family and for that boy? Father in heaven, Lord God, I pray for that boy and I pray that you would comfort him. God, he seems to be um, um, very upset and God, I pray for your peace in his life. And God, I praise you for him and for his presence here with us this morning, for his family's presence. Lord, I pray that as we are gracious, um, that we can go and encourage them and, and comfort them. God, that they would continue to feel welcome here and as they visit and here with their family, Lord. I praise you for the ways that you've cared for us when we have been uh, troubled, when we have been um, distraught, God, and, and angry and frustrated. I praise that you've been with us, God, through those things. I pray that you'd be with their family. Amen. But I, as I was thinking about this, like, if I can get back to it, it's about God and the ways that he cares for us. That Jesus prays that God would sort of come and guard us, that he would look after us. And he does because we are God's children. And as you heard through the prayer, there's numerous times where Jesus, and even through this whole upper room, this last night when Jesus was with his disciples, he prays with them. He keeps saying that you've been given to me by the Father, or these whom God has given to me. But here he makes the point. He reminds us again that while the Father has given us to the Son, we still remain the Father's children as well. That we are still God's. He hasn't totally 
given us away, so to speak, but he's made us Jesus, but also he's made us God the Father. So we belong to both. And, and it's hard for me to understand quite how this works, <laughs> but I do know at least one thing that it was revealed to me, or as that I understood, was that the Father and the Son, they are one. They are so close together that Jesus can say, what is mine is yours, and what is yours is mine. That we belong to God the Father, God the Son. That's why he can say, Father, I, I, give these, I give them back to you. Come and watch after them. Look after them while I'm away. You see, the thing is, when Jesus was with us, he took care of us. When Jesus was with the church, he took care of those first disciples. And as I was working through this, I began to think immediately of John 10, where Jesus talks about the good shepherd. He says that I am the good shepherd. He says when the wolf comes, the hired hand or the person who's been hired to look after sheep, he's gone. You don't see anything but his backside when, when danger comes. He's off running. But the good shepherd, he stays and he takes care of the flock. He takes care of each of them. And Jesus goes on to say, I, I haven't lost any of them except for the one, except for Judas. Except for the one who chose not to be protected, not to be a part of this. The one who chose to betray. That he might fulfill, might fulfill the scriptures that we would all know that this was no mistake, that, that God was at work in this, that God wasn't somehow taken by surprise. But Jesus watched after the flock. But he also knows that his time has come, that his hour is here, and that he's going to be there with the Father. He's returning to the Father. See, Jesus prays this for his disciples when he's in the upper room with them. The night before, or actually the night that he is betrayed, because after Jesus prays this, he's going to go to Gethsemane, to the Mount of Olives, to this garden, where they're going to come and, and arrest him. And they're going to begin to torture him and reject him. They're going to begin beating him, spitting on him, accusing him and persecuting him. He knows this is what's coming. So he prays that, that God would be with him. He prays that his father would come and watch over him. I was thinking about this, that if we take up the image of the Good Shepherd, right here the Good Shepherd is praying that the Great Shepherd would take care of us. Let me say that again, that here we see the Good Shepherd praying that his Father, the Great Shepherd, would watch over his flock. Because he realized that we couldn't go with him. He knew that our time had not yet come to go, that he had to do this by himself. And so he prays, Praise that God would watch over us, that we would be kept in the power of his name. Now, the interesting thing is, it sort of, we don't really say that anymore, that you would be watched over in the power of your name. But in the ancient world, in Jesus' time, a name was just more, it was more than just a label, than just what people called you. It began, your name was attached to your character and who you were. So it's as if Jesus, in one sense, is saying, Lord, watch over them, or Father, watch over them, consistent with your character, your character that is concerned for justice and mercy and goodness. But also his name had power. As you read through the Old Testament, you'll see where places where the people of God, where they would pray in the power of God's name, to be kept in his name. But even the name of God had power. So Jesus is praying that, that God would watch over us, that God would be the one who guards us, who keeps us like the great shepherd. But as we start working through this, Jesus keeps going. <clears throat> and he prays that 
we, that God would look, look after us or God would guard us, watch over us for the sake of our unity. That we would be held together. Because there's going to be pressure. He knew that there was pressure that was coming that was going to start causing people to want to flee, even those who follow him. Just like we feel pressure in our church at times. Somebody says something or something happens and we want to leave. He knew that there would be pressure for us to, to fly apart, to abandon each other. So he says, Lord, watch over them and hold them together. He says, hold them together or make them one just as you and I are one. Just as the Father and the Son are one. I don't know if you remember last week. I'm sure all of you do. But if you remember last week, we were talking about Jesus in John 14 and this when he's t- preaching this sermon, he talks with his disciples about being one with the Father. He says, if, if you knew me, then you would know the Father. He says, from now on, you will know me and you will see me. And at that point, Philip says, Lord, show us God. That would be enough. And, and Jesus, graciously, but I could still see him just exasperated. He says, Philip, you know me. What do you mean, show you the Father? You know me. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. When we want to know what God is like, and there are people who do, they're, they, oh, what is God like? We can point them to Christ. We can point them to Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at the way he lived, the way that he cared for people, the way he spoke the truth and love and challenged people. This is what God is like. So he desires this for us too. That we would be one that as a family, as a church family, we would care for each other and, and stay connected to each other just as the Father and the Son are one. Now the interesting thing, and maybe some of you are already thinking this, like, man, that's hard. The interesting thing is this, it's a paradox of the way this works. We grow closer together as a church not by trying harder to be nice to each other. That might get you by for a while. But we grow closer together by each of us growing closer to Jesus. And let me explain this. Oftentimes I mention this, and it's not mine, I can't remember even where I heard it, but I think of relationships often in terms of, of a triangle, that Christ at the top. And I speak this at weddings oftentimes, and you've got the bride and the groom, and they think, in order for us to get along really well, we need to work on our relationship directly with each other. And there's at times where that, that can be helpful, but I tell them, over the long run, It's when we start working on our relationship with Jesus at the top of the triangle that it naturally draws us closer together. But see, we don't think like that. We think, oh, I want to improve my relationship with someone. I want to work on them. I either want them to change or I want me to to figure out how to to relate to them. And I I believe, I've seen it so many times in, in marriages and families, even in my own life, the closer that we get to Christ, the, the better our relationship is with Jesus, the better we will be able to relate to others. See, because we have stuff between us, each of us. When we try to be friends or even family together, things come between us. Differences, opinions, hard words that we've said, things that we've done. But when we grow closer to Jesus, those obstacles become less of an obstacle. As we go closer to Christ, One, our insecurities, the things that we are afraid of, that people would know about us, 
or the things that we, that we hold, are, the things that are going on in us, the, the selfishness that we have, these things start to decrease the closer we get to Christ. But not only that, but the things that everybody else does, uh, the things that they do, start to bother us less. I think it has something to do with grace. The more we realize how gracious God with, has been with us, the easier it is for us to be gracious with others. To forgive and forgive and forgive and keep forgiving. So it's this interesting paradox, and maybe it's not, maybe it's obvious to you, but I think there's a lot of people who don't understand this, that if we want our relationships to be better, our relationship in our marriage, in our family, in our church, in our community, we begin by, by drawing closer to Jesus, by working on our relationship with him. Because it's out of that that we're actually able to relate better to each other. So Jesus, he prays for us that we would be united together, that we would be held together. And I started, I started thinking about it this week, that, that this is part of what we've been talking about for this almost year now, as we've been working on vitality, becoming a healthier and more mission-oriented church. This is the part of healthy. And we talked about, you know, it's, we described, well, what does healthy and missional mean? And we talk about it that by healthy, we mean pursuing Christ. By missional, we say by pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. But I want to focus on that first part, that we say by healthy, we mean pursuing Jesus. That's exactly what I've just been saying. That for us to be healthy in our relationships with each other and our families, in this church family, we begin by pursuing Jesus. By pursuing our relationship with him. You see, because the more that we pursue Christ... The more we work on a relationship with him, the more we will pursue other people. I've seen this numerous times in my own life. Seasons when I've begun, like, God, I want to work on my relationship with you. I want to spend time with you, Jesus. And I can tell you time and time again, just sometimes this is a few days, sometimes it's a few months later, that I have this desire to go and spread the good news, to tell people, to see their lives change, to see them begin to follow Jesus and have this life that I know. I'm telling us this, that as we draw closer to Jesus, we will care more for others. But see, the thing is, and this is the part I want you to listen to, is that we don't draw closer to each other as a church by trying harder. It's by transforming or being transformed. We draw closer together as a church by being transformed in Jesus, by him continuing to change who we are to make us more and more holy like him. Because let me tell you, it's impossible for us to chip away at each other. It's impossible for us to, to dislike and to hold grudges against people in our family, even our church family, when we are in a right relationship with Jesus. Or said the other way around, is that when we find ourselves holding grudges, chipping away at people in our family or in our church. That's the first sign, or one of the first signs, that, that would point us to realize that something is not right in our relationship with God. Because it is hard to be ingracious with people when you are filled with grace. The more grateful we are, the harder it is for us 
to hold grudges with people. So some of you think about some of the grudges you may have, the stuff that you're working through. And maybe you're thinking, man, if those people would just change. Or you're thinking, maybe, maybe I just need to, to figure out a way to get them, you know, to figure out what I mean. I'm saying, and I think Jesus would say the same, is that begin on working your relationship with him so that you can actually work on your relationship with those people in a healthy way. So Jesus prays this. He prays that God would watch over his people, over these first disciples. Praise the Lord, watch over them so that they will be unified, so that they would be held together, that they would be united, healthy, healthy as a church, as a family. But he keeps going. He says, hold them together as one so that they would testify to the rest of the world. He says, make them one so that the rest of the world or the whole cosmos would know that you sent me, that the Father had sent the Son. So Jesus has our interests in mind. That as his people, we would be held together. But also, he, he has another eye also. He's looking toward the mission, toward the world, that they too would know Jesus. They would know this love that God has for us. See, part of it is mission. Part of it is God's desire for this world. He wants to hold us together that we would testify. We would testify that God cares about this world. See, I want to make this connection for us. That if we want to see people come to believe in Jesus, if we want people to trust their lives to him, we're going to have to be healthy as a church. We're going to have to continue working on relating to each other well, caring for each other, enduring with each other, carrying each other's burdens. There is a direct connection. Jesus makes a direct connection between the way that we treat each other and how that testifies to the world. Now, don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that we have to be perfect. Trust me, we are not. <laughs> but I am saying that we need to continue working on our relationship with each other, that we can go and testify to this community. Let me let you on a little secret. We are broken people. Every one of us sitting in this room are broken people. Have things that we're working on, things that still trip us up. We're not going to be perfect, not until we are in Christ's presence again. So I say this not to not to ruin your hope, but to but to set you free. To set you free to be gracious with each other. To be gracious with me when I say things or do things or mess up. Because the way that we relate together as a church, as a family, that testifies to our community. Jesus makes this connection in this prayer. Go back and check it out. You'll see it. He says, be one so that it would testify to the world. But it's not going to be easy. Because the world hates this message. Jesus said, I, I gave these disciples, I gave them the word, and the world hated them for it. 
Because the gospel is, is a two-edged sword. For those of us who believe, it's like living water. It's refreshing and cool. We read it and it nourishes our soul. People on the other side, it's not so great. It's more like salt in the wounds. It challenges them. It challenges their pride. Their idea that they don't need anybody. They can do it on their own. They can take care of themselves. It confronts the way that they live. The way that's wrapped up in, in themselves. Caring little for others. So as a church, when we start living out this gospel, people don't like it because it challenges them and it confronts them. Now don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying go and preach it, people. (laughs) Hypocrisy doesn't win anybody. But I am saying when we go and live this faith, it gives us an opportunity to talk about it with them. When someone says, you know, why do you do that? Why are you so generous? I mean, I know you could use the money on your own place. Why are you so generous with people? And when somebody says, you know, why are you helping that person? Like, everybody knows that person's a jerk. Why are you helping them? Then we have an opportunity to explain to them that because of what God has done in our lives, we want to do these things. We want to help those who no one else wants to. We want to sacrifice our own self for the sake of others. But it's interesting to me as difficult as it's going to be, that Jesus doesn't pray that we'd be taken out. Did you catch that part? When Jesus was praying, he says, not that I'm praying that they would be taken up out of the world, but that, Lord, you would protect them, or Father, you protect them from the evil one. Jesus wants us to remain in this world. Not to be of the world, but to remain in it. Like, like yeast that works through a whole lump of dough just a little bit, and it starts to work through, and pretty soon the whole bread rises. That we remain like this. Not that we would become Christian and try to avoid the world, but that we'd remain in it so the world would see us, the ways that we care for each other, the ways that we work through conflicts. That they would see these things and it would testify to them about God. See, let me just make this point here. That oftentimes we think about healthy church as a place where there is no conflict. Now, it's true, we don't want destructive conflict. (laughs) That's not good for anybody. But I can tell you that the the opposite is the same. The opposite is just as true, that in a church where it looks like there is no conflict, it's just the conflict is underneath, and nobody talks about it. A healthy church or a healthy family has conflict. Just how we deal with it in constructive ways, in healthy ways. Jesus is saying, when we hold together, like as a church, when we hold together as a family like this, it testifies to the world around us. So he prays to the Father, that the Father would watch over his church, that they would be held together so they would testify to the world that, that God cares. Jesus talks about that they would have this love that you have had for me, that it would be in them. It comes back down to this love that God has, not just for his disciples, those 11 men who were in the room with him. And not just for us here, as encouraging as that is for us, but for the world, the whole world, or in John's vernacular, the whole cosmos, that we would know this love that God has for us. 
that we would know that he loves us like he loves his own son, like Jesus. Think about that for a minute. That God loves us like he loved his son. Jesus is praying these things so that our unity, the way that we hold together as a church, despite our differences, despite the things that are difficult for us, the ways that we hold together, that it would testify to our community. It would testify to our friends and neighbors that they would know that God sent Jesus and that God loves them like crazy. As I was working through this, this week, I was focused on prayer. As we're in the season of Lent, the season of intentional discipleship, focusing on prayer, I began to realize how this is so, this fits exactly with where we're at as a church moving through this, moving on this journey toward vitality, becoming healthier and more missional. That's exactly what Jesus prays for his church right here that we would be healthy in our togetherness, healthy as a family but also that as a family, that that would testify to the world around us. I pray that you hear God speaking to you this morning. That as you hear Jesus praying, do you see that it would comfort you that he's praying that God the Father would be watching out for us. It's pretty amazing. I pray that you'd also hear that he prays that God would hold us together. That we would grow in our health and our relationship with each other. I pray that you see that, that all of this is working together for the sake of the gospel, that it, we would testify to the world around us that the Father sent the Son, and that he loves this world. I was thinking of the last words that Jesus prayed. He said, this world does not know you, but I know you, and they know you, speaking about his disciples, and I have revealed your name to them. So that, so that, the love that you have for me, it would be in them, and I would be in them. I pray that you hear God speaking this morning. And one, it comforts you, knowing that God is looking out for us. Two, that it encourages us to remain together, to work at it together by working on our relationship with Jesus. That each of us would grow closer to Christ so that we can grow closer together as a church. And all of this for the sake of the gospel. That it would testify to the community around us. That we would have courage to go and share our faith with others. Amen.